Hello, you're listening to The Joys of Teaching Literature. My name's Scott. We're here talking all things high school English and how to make your life more fun and less stressful and um, just make this whole process of working uh, something that we probably, you know, imagined early in our uh, college days when we sort of had a vision of ourselves being a teacher and being full of hope and trying to sort of keep that going through every day that we that we step in through the doors of our school to do the best we can to inspire kids to love uh, thinking and writing and speaking and all those things that we do. Um, if you want to know more about me, I offer online professional development for high school English teachers. Uh, you can visit the website, theteachersworkshop.com. Uh, so today uh, we're talking about something. Um, we're talking about basically how to, to make learning personal. I kind of had this heard this comment from someone in a meeting recently about like that, that, you know, sort of angle uh, to approach what we do. And if, you know, it's sort of interesting because so much of what we teach is um, other people's stories. And so, and that takes up the bulk of what we, even if it's a regular story where they're, you know, we're listening to a podcast or we're reading an essay or we're doing nonfiction, we're doing Emerson and Thoreau, now with my uh, with my juniors, I got one section of juniors this year. <laughs> I haven't taught it in uh, I don't know. I think it might have been five or ten years ago. I taught junior one section of juniors, so I'm revisiting all the Great Gatsby and Catcher in the Rye, and um, so that's been interesting. But uh, yeah, and even thinking about Catcher in the Rye, you know, that's sort of very very personal book. You know, it's almost like a confessional in a way, uh, where he's really just expressing all of these different thoughts about the different events of his life. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting even thinking about it more. Like, right, Holden has a problem with school. You think about it. Everybody remembers Cats on the Rye, right? He has a problem with school because, you know, he the teacher doesn't like when people digress or they want him to learn facts and memorize facts. And he kind of tunes people out and gets distracted. Uh, you know, we don't know that much about his you know who he is in school but he tells us these little stories and he's obviously we could find out through his writing a really creative thinker the way he sort of sees things and describes them and the contradictory ways he feels about people and relationships and uh, you know virtue and, and morals and <laughs> all the different very contradictory things that you know that life that he lives um, where he says one thing does another and he's a kid he's, he's figuring it all out and um, he just knows he wants to to be the catcher in the rye and, and save his sister from you know hit the horrible experiences that he had, uh, some of the horrible experiences he had at school, and uh, especially obviously that trauma he went through with losing his brother. Um, he wants to sort of save everybody from from going through that. Um, but he has that one composition where he's actually helping his friend plagiarize. But uh, he has that one composition where he, he writes about his, his uh, brother's baseball glove and all the poems that are scrawled over the, all over the baseball glove. This is a really descriptive piece. And it's, it's beautiful. You know, you wonder how a kid who writes a piece like that, first of all, you know, his friend's upset because he doesn't think he's following directions. Um, but, you know, you also get the feeling that you know, this, he should, he's an excellent thinker, right? He's, he's giving this really descriptive piece about his brother and it's, it's very meaningful and personal. Uh, and it just doesn't seem to have a, a sort of place 
uh, for whatever reason in his school. And so, you know, that's what we, I just have to sort of think about that all the time because we do get into the routine of just studying literature and that's it. And so it, we sort of had to hit, hit pause every once in a while. I think there's um, a lot of challenges that would come with inspiring students to really love literature, um, whether it be a short story, a poem, a play, uh, whatever great piece of writing is, we try to f- work as hard as we can to try to find the right books and to provide choice and do all these different things, book clubs and projects and you know, things that where they can create something um, and have some sort of choice involved, right? So all these different sort of moving parts when we think about how we can make it personally meaningful. Um, we want learning, I mean, obviously, you know, we want learning to be something where you learn about somebody else's experience that's kind of the point right sometimes a hard sell uh because i think they think the world revolves around them just kind of like i mean if the adults think the world revolved around them if you listen to any of our politicians (laughs) they all think they have these answers and they can see visions of the future and you know it's it's not something that's just something that kids do you know everybody likes to express and tell us they people like to tell a story um, and so I think we should, especially because uh, speaking mostly, hopefully I'm teaching, speaking to other teachers here, but mostly English teachers, that is kind of the point is I think what hooks kids, um, children, you know, even if me teaching seniors, uh, hooks children into, you know, understanding that their perspective and how they see the world matters, um, while acknowledging that the way that somebody else feels about the world also matters, that sharing out process is really important. And I look back on on some of the the things that I did as a kid. You know, I was filling up these these blue books of like with journal with journals with just my sort of recorded thoughts about the day, or I'm just sort of describing all my different activities and things like that. And I really enjoyed that because I was just figuring out how to write and find different words, and that excited me. Um, you know, all the way through middle school, we had a project where we could just write and read and write about whatever we wanted. Um, and so, yeah, thinking about those experiences I had, that's really what hooked me into learning. I, I really, I was a student who loved school. I loved listening to my teachers. I loved reading. Um, I loved writing um, and figuring it out. I feel like writing is this sort of ongoing thing where we're, we're always figuring it out. I, <laughs> it was interesting to admit I wrote journals myself all the way through high school. Or I just I like to sort of figure out my relationships and my thoughts about the world. I like to write about music and, and lyrics and poetry. Um, I just liked writing. It was a peaceful process. You know, this is a day and time when I didn't have <laughs> TikTok and Instagram. Uh, where I'm sort of looking at the world, people, our kids now are looking at the world through with, with that. You know, I did it with a piece of paper and a pencil. So it's probably sort of a big part of the reason I'm doing this right now, because I like trying to think about things and figure them out. So I think it's, you know, important for, for us to do that, not just because of the storytelling element of it and the literary element of it, but because in, in business, a good story always sells something. Uh, a good idea or creative idea comes out of nowhere. It comes out of thinking about, you know, your own life experience. Actually, what was I watching? The Hidden, not The Hidden Brain, The Creative Brain with David Eagleman. He's put this movie together, wrote this book and put this movie together. And one of the scientists was talking about, um, it was some kind of like surgery. There was some kind of procedure in surgery. Um, can't remember. It involved like a magnet or something. And and the sort of beginning of the movie. 
Um, and she was talking about how she remembered this toy from, from a, her childhood and the, to the way the mechanism this toy worked sort of gave her this idea for this instrument that was instrumental, that, <laughs> play on words there, instrumental in uh, a successful surgery because of whatever it was she was doing. I can't remember the specifics, obviously, because um, I'm not a doctor. But uh, I thought that was interesting, right, is that our, that our memories, our experiences, revisiting them and thinking about them and keeping records of them and documenting them, um, and even just, just valuing them, um, has a place in, in all fields, whether it be science or hi, you know, history, journalism, uh, you know, whatever it is that our students, whatever career they pursue, um, storytelling is always a, a big part of, of, of everything. Um, and thinking about how people sort of, you know, all the relationships people have with each other, spatial relationships, you know, if you're an architect, um, there's all these different ways that our interactions and our experiences and our memories um, help shape who, who we become. Um, that should always be a big part of our students' sort of educational journey is to go on the journey of, of literature and world history, but also uh, to sort of figure out their own journey and where they're headed, which is exactly what Holden does. And, you know, and if you think about who he was early on in the book and who he was you know, sort of crying at the end with the carousel and his, his little sister, you know, almost falling off the horse and when she's trying to get the ring and all those sort of epiphanies he has at the end, um, that's, we want our kids to go on a similar kind of journey where they realize something. And of course, literature is the way that we help them realize these, have these like sort of epiphanies about the world. But it's also in, in, in linking the literature that we study to their own story and helping them uh, tell their own story because they've gotten really good at understanding what makes a good story. Uh, right, and how to tell that story and all the variety of ways that we storytell with all the different narrators that we study in fiction is all going to sort of help them. On, the goal is for that, to help them on their path to self-discovery and to figure out um, how it is that they see the world and how it is that they can tell their own story, if not in a novel, you know, in conversation and, again, with, with sort of valuing their own memories and experiences and sharing those with, with people in their lives and being a sort of literate and kind, compassionate person, all these different things that we want. Um, you know, it, it's, it's difficult to find a book uh, that every child will love. Right? You think about the sort of process of doing what we do is studying literature. Um, our kids like contemporary stories, right, <laughs> that seem similar to their own where it takes place where people have cell phones and, you know, there's cars and all, the, all that jazz. But they also like to read about experiences that take place in distant countries, hundreds or even in the case of Antigone or something, right, thousands of years ago. Not every story needs to be relatable, but there are other ways other than just literature to make learning personally meaningful so that students uh, really invest themselves in the process of reading and writing. So I basically came up with seven, um, and, and some of them I do kind of review and go over uh, in greater detail uh, with handouts and activities and different things in my online course, you know, sort of show you how I, how I sort of, what, even what I mean by some of these things, um, and sort of how I define them and how I use them in my class and the different sort of specific projects that I use in my class. So the first thing is uh, free literacy blocks. I, I talked about this in another podcast. If you want to go back and listen to that, I have a section on it in my uh, in my online course that actually I delivered as a uh, piece in a conference that I did recently. Um, so so that's uh, basically this weekly thing that I do where I give my students free time to pursue a topic of choice, uh, and then they package their knowledge at the end of, of the year 
And the idea is not to just study a single topic, but to study multiple topics and then bring them all together. Uh, and, and they sort of present it in a way that makes most sense to them and to their topics. So that's something where I'm conferencing with them. That's basically what I've been finding myself doing during the free literacy box. Sometimes I grade and catch up on work, but other times I'm just sort of meeting with kids and talking to them about what they're doing, what they're reading, uh, you know, what their project is going to look like, suggesting uh, different podcasts to them, different articles, how hey, you should check this out. And actually, I had recently in my uh, conferences with students, a couple of my uh, students suggested podcasts to me. They said, oh, I've been listening to this podcast. I thought, oh, that's, let me give that a try. And it was really funny and great podcast. Um, so the second way is, so that's one is free literacy blocks. The next one is basically is fiction. And again, this sort of, you know, I think we've all sort of dabbled in creative writing, but it, again, it's good to just push pause and think like, how often do I allow my students to write fiction? Um, I think there's a place for it in any unit because it can be quick. Um, and there's, there's interesting ways I had to get that advice once from a supervisor that there's like a quick way of looking at a passage or a moment in a book and getting students to write from that point of view from or from a different narrator or something like that um, or to fill in a conversation that never happened, something like that. So that's always good to kind of think about. It's not just, hey, write a short story, which I do that too at the end of a short story unit. I'm like, hey, just let's write a short story. We just studied all these short stories. Let's write a short story. There's no rules, nothing. Just write a short story. There's also these opportunities to kind of put your, put the, your students in the the perspective of the character, different character, say if it's not the main character and minor character, uh, to get their take on the story. Um, but I think it's great to not have a lot of rules or expectations too with creative writing. So it's sort of right, the essence of the word creative is that you are making it up yourself. Um, and I think we, we so often study the techniques of literature, the metaphors and onomatopoeia, you know, and personification, synecdoche, right, metonymy, all these different sort of techniques uh, we forget to allow them to create those, that, those metaphors for themselves. Um, and they, they rarely get the chance to express their own view of the world uh, with a story. So that's fiction. And then there's creative nonfiction. And that's a really, you know, this is our number three kind of way to make learning meaningful is basically by just asking them what they think about an idea or a topic. So instead of an, a traditional analytical essay on a novel, I will sometimes allow my students to pick a topic from the story so love, joy, friendship, you know, parenthood, I don't know, uh, family, uh, imagination, something like that, crime, you know, justice, you know, all these different topics that we cover in a story. Uh, and I, I usually cover about 10. I teach by topic and not by chapter. Um, and so you sort of, all right, let's pick this one, or I even just say pick a topic that we've covered so far. And I, I construct a, a question around it sometimes you can have the students create the question themselves although that's difficult too but again you can conference with them and work on it um but you basically have them write about that topic you know in their life or in the modern world in a sort of political or philosophical sense um, i'll ask them to write about the novel maybe in the introduction so they can kind of quote the novel in the introduction and talk about the, the novel as a as a sort of preface if you will uh, or yeah, or as, as you can say, introduction, which is what it is, um, before they get started uh, about writing on that topic. So in a way, they're just answering this broad question. So instead of this question on the novel, they ask, they answer this really open-ended question, um, and they can explore whatever. They can just answer the question, or they can bring in other sources if you want, if you want to make it research-based or something like that. Uh, but they can also just write uh, 
again, free of like the rules, right? You're just writing. Um, all right, the next one is a video essay. So in some ways, this is any kind of essay, which is just a piece of writing um, that they where they record their voice and attached images and videos. Um, so it could be like I'm giving you sort of alternates to the traditional analytical essay here, I guess, in some ways by talking about like, how can we make it personal? But anytime you record your voice, I think you are storytelling and, you know, you sort of, um, it, it just makes it more meaningful, you know, because it's you and, you know, that this is the world we live in where we can, we don't, you know, we have recorded sound now, you know, and uh, it's not even that recent of a, of, a, of a technology. It's fairly recent that we were able to do this and it's so easy uh, to do it where we just have like, like tape recorders and press record and fast forward and rewind. I remember that stuff. Um, and so now it's just so easy, uh, especially easy to, to mix it up and put it together. But you don't even need to do that either. Um, you just press record on the reading. And even if you have bullet points that you want to hit, that sort of things. Um, sometimes I'll do that at the end of the year where they, they pull everything together into this final thing that they can be proud of. So instead of having a final essay, they have a final essay, but they also package it in a way that's, you know, uh, 21st century ready. Uh, that they can share it on the, online if they want. They can show their parents and say, hey, this is what I learned this year. This is what I came up with. This is what I'm, um, you know, this is what I did in a couple of minutes. And so anybody can kind of access it and look at it if they want to. It's not even something that you need to require, but it's something my students have told me. Yeah, I put that on Facebook and, you know, I've had students go semi-viral with some of the videos they put together by the end of the year. Uh, just because of the na the open-ended nature of it, you know, and you're just sort of saying what you want to say. And, and when you tell them that it could have a, an audience, you know, that makes it something they really want to work on and, and something they can be proud of, something they can, they can look back, you know, in a couple of years or five or 10, even 20 years from now, they can look back on it and be like, oh, man, yeah, here's this this thing. This is who I was. You know, this is what I said. This is what I was thinking um, when I was in high school. Uh, so another way is a podcast, you know, I sort of touched on that with the audio piece, but this is a podcast a little different from video essay and that's really spontaneous. It's just like a conversation. It could be an interview. Um, some students like formalize their thoughts. Um, some students do better formalizing their thoughts with audio and then speaking uh, rather than writing. A uh, podcast gives them a chance to, to inter you know, interview somebody they love and admire, they're a close friend, family. So that makes it personally meaningful as well. So you, again, you're talking about these topics that you're talking about in the literature that you're studying, whether it be power or, you know, gender or whatever it is. Um, but you're just free of creativity, something like that. Uh, but you're, you're having that conversation with somebody else about, you know, and you can even say, like, in this book, we talked about this topic, imagination, in this way, or immigration, or something like that. Um, what do you think about it? You know, do you agree with that? Do you not? And just have this other conversation with a voice outside of the classroom about that topic. They're still learning about the topic, but they're just hearing stories and hearing perspectives from somebody else other than the normal people they hear from in school. Um, you know, students learn from books, but they also learn from having deep conversations with people who, who play an important part of their life. Uh, so another one is story, just general storytelling and personal narrative. So obviously the easy way is I have been sort of touching on this throughout here, but telling them to write a story um, about something um, or just telling them to write a story, uh, 
that's awesome. You know, it's a valuable thing to do. Um, and obviously this is it's more of a tr- tr- traditional way to just have them write, but this is, you know, where I'm saying this is obviously an option just to have them write a regular story. But also when I say this, I'm, I'm mentioning, um, I'm referring to just storytelling in general, that class interpretate, like when you're interpreting books and having conversations about passages in uh, class discussions, or just even when they're in groups and walking around the room, um, anything that reminds me of a personal story, I always go there. So that's, for me, a, a way of analyzing the text is by bringing my life into it and helping and allowing my life to help me understand something and giving access to that really complicated idea with something from my life. Um, you know, we were just today, we were talking, as an example, we were talking about um, Virginia Woolf's To the Lighthouse and how these the free and direct discourses or the shifting of points of view, and we're getting this one passage, it was so complicated, this one passage we looked at um, started with an objective narrator and then moved to what's called, I kind of defined for them, a, a psychonarrator, just describes the internal thoughts of the character. So you had this sort of external description of the character, then you had this sort of internal description of their emotions, and then in the third person you actually got their voice and their point of view and what they actually were thinking in their head where you can replace the third person pronouns with first person pronouns. And that was from one character, uh, uh, James, and then that exact uh, unfolding happened with another character, Cam, where we went from the sort of looking at her to moving into her actual thought. And then we also had Cam and James simultaneously in the third person through uh, the pronoun they, where they both the characters felt the same thing at the same time. And then Mr. Ramsey, this third character came in and he also had the same feeling at the same time. So in some ways we had three different perspectives all happening at the same time, sometimes simultaneously at the same time. And then other times characters felt two different things. And so I'm like, yeah, as you can even hear right now, I'm explaining all this and, uh, and it, it's getting heavy, right? It's getting like really academic language and these technical terms. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so complicated. And so I stepped back and I was like, okay, this is like Bachelor in Paradise. Anybody watch this show? Anybody watch any kind of dating show where it's like, you know, who, who's feeling what and why? And, and you're looking at their body language and you're looking at their eyes and then there's the aside. And in the aside, they're supposed to tell you exactly how they feel, right? So that's like your monologue, so to speak, where they're, they're directly, you know, expressing themselves to the audience where it's supposed to be as close to their thought process as possible, right? Like this is, this is just, that's what Virginia Woolf is doing. It's like this internal exploration of the world of the characters, but in a way, that's what we do when we watch people and we experience things. And that happens on reality TV as much as it happens in our own lives. Like who's going to marry who? And th- this is what they do for a living. And this is their personality. And they're shy and they're outgoing. And all these conflicts and different things is what the book is exploring, right? So I took that opportunity like, okay, let's take a deep breath. This is complicated, but it's also just how life is, right? It's just given to us all in this third person narrator, which is somewhat similar to even just these regular experiences in reality TV, right? So that's sort of ex- example of like, okay, so I have this story that, you know, not exactly a story, but like reminded me of reality television. Um, and so I can kind of allow them to have this like funny way of understanding this this really complicated thing, right? And then the final thing is uh, is the conclusion. 
Um, I was going to make one last point. Oh, yeah. So in, in the, the personal narratives, first of all, <laughs> I'm going to give myself a plug here. I have a whole course online um, about how to write a personal narrative, or and it's also in the spirit of writing a college essay. That's the basic unit. A lot of my kids go to college, so they're all worried about it at the beginning of senior year. So we basically just have some, you know, not the rich kids have tutors that help them with their college essay. It's like, okay, we're just going to have a quick overview of what you should sort of look to achieve with writing a personal narrative. That's basically what you're doing when you're writing a college essay. Um, and so I package that into an online course. And one thing I go over in the course is this game I play where I have topics on cards. Then they have a topic like candy or road trip, ice cream, shoes, rain, something like that. Uh, and they tell a story related to that topic. And so that gets them to speak in their own voice um, and, and focus on that sort of conversational or colloquial, whatever you want to call it, um, tone or voice that, that they use in everyday life rather than this academic one that's not emotional and not that doesn't have personality and is very analytical and interpretive as opposed to like again personal um, and this that story in a way is supposed to sort of be symbolic or represent who they are and so it actually helps them understand symbolism it's like so how does this what is symbolic or what is representative like about this this story what does it represent about who you are Right, so that's just storytelling in general. And then uh, the conclusion. So the conclusion, I always say, is, uh, it's a, I always say, like, let's think about it. Take a deep breath. It's a conclusion. It's like, what what are you drawing from this? Like, what, what does it mean, right? It's like, that's kind of what we're getting at here is like, what's the personal meaning of this? Like, how does it help you understand the world better? Like, you just looked at this novel uh, or whatever it is that you're writing about, right? Um what does it mean? Like, what are you going to do with it? What's everybody supposed to do with it? What are you going to do walking away from this essay? How you slightly, just the point of education is to slightly change or alter the way people see the world through your point of view, right? You're helping them understand how you think and feel about the world, whether it be a novel or statistics or whatever you're writing about. Um, and, and then you're, you're saying like, this is the implication of this, or here is a connection that I'm going to make to something else. Um, maybe it's a play, maybe it's a short story, maybe it's a, a band or a concert they went to, but it's a, it's a story, right? You could just tell a short, a very like one or two sentence story about how you experience something. This is where they can use the first person uh, and, and tell a story that relates to the novel or what, again, whatever it is that they're reading or writing, whether it's housing market or chemistry, or whatever they're writing about, uh, you know, they could be writing about physics, you know, and, and, talk about what that means for like living and relationships and behaviors um they might talk about a historical event right um my favorite my 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 go-to sort of example here is when Seamus Haney in uh his introduction to his translation of Beowulf talks about reading headlines about uh, genocide in the 90s in the in Rwanda I think it was and uh and and hearing listening to those headlines um, and actually, I think it was Kosovo he mentioned too. So I forget what else was going on at the time he was translating that book. And it kind of influenced his translation where he was writing th like this flames of the dragon burning down whole villages and stuff like that. Um, and it made him think of, of genocide. And so that's like that making that kind of connection between like, hey, this is this book that took place thousands of years ago. But really, it's reminiscent of what's happening in the 20th century in the second world war whatever it is right and so they're making that the conclusion is where they make that kind of connection 
and it makes it personal and makes it something that they want to pursue um, and it makes the whole process of studying literature meaningful as well too um, so yeah that's that's all I have um, and I think you know in the end making it personal anything personal is making what we do timeless right it's something that will sort of last forever uh, in the mind of a child because they were able to to sort of connect it in a way um, that spoke to them so to speak right that's what we're what we're aiming to do and it's one of the big challenges of what we do uh, is if we want to have a class that's like really there with us and listening and paying attention and raising their hand to answer questions we have to make it something that that um, means something to them in their life all right thanks for listening everybody if you if you enjoy listening to this podcast please give me uh, a, a good review uh, wherever you get your podcasts thank you